Hello everyone and welcome to Nudge, the consumer psychology podcast with me, Phil Agnew. Today I am chatting with Georgiana Laudi. Georgiana has worked with SaaS companies like Unbounce, AppCues and Sprout Social and has helped launch and build dozens of B2B and B2C brands over the last 20 years. In her own words, she loves helping ambitious managers grow into great leaders. At the agency she co-founded, Forget the Funnel, she empowers teams to build high-impact cross-functional solutions for growth. In this episode, I quiz Georgiana on what successful marketing looks like for SaaS startups. We cover simple hacks marketers can use to grow their business, important metrics they need to measure, and the best way to organize a startup marketing team. To get started, here's Georgiana talking about her career to date. The podcast I'd like to recommend today is the D2C pod brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. The D2C pod is a podcast all about all the things direct to consumer. The hosts cover everything from starting, growing and optimizing e-commerce stores and D2C brands. If you're interested in the stories behind your favorite consumer brands, this is a podcast for you. To start, I'd suggest checking out episode 318, which features the CMO of Feastables. So listen to D2C pod wherever you get your podcasts. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. It's like trying to remember the name of someone you've just met at a networking event. I've made this mistake before, introducing a colleague to my new friend Dan, only to find out his name was actually Ian. Being personal with your customers is important, but keeping on top of all that information can be very hard. That's where HubSpot's all-new service hub comes in. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. It's got an AI-powered help desk and an AI-powered chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs. Plus, it never forgets a first name. All of that can help you scale support and drive retention and revenue. That means better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit hubspot.com service to do more for your customers today. I've been in marketing. I've been doing marketing professionally for about 20 years. And through that, I became aware of the difference between marketing a software as a service, which is based on a subscription model versus marketing a more traditional type business where marketing on, a, on the you know more traditional side, even online and digital is mostly acquisition with the goal of acquisition and building awareness. However, with the subscription model, like software as a service, marketing has a much, much bigger role to play. And I think this sort of epiphany moment for me was, uh, I actually saw Dave McClure speaking at a very, very small intimate event, and he introduced pirate metrics, uh, which awareness, acquisition, uh, revenue retention, and referral. And this light bulb went off like, wow, marketing has a massive, massive role to play when a business is subscription-based like this. And the majority of the tech companies that were popping up at the time 
were subscription-based. And I just loved that there was a role for marketing post-acquisition. It's been a really fun ride. Five years of uh, that time was actually spent in-house working with a company called Unbounce based out of Vancouver. Anyways, when I, at the end of the five years, when it was time for me to move on, um, I quickly found myself overwhelmed with demand from other, you know, from SaaS founders. So I announced that I was leaving and that I didn't know what I was doing next. And my inbox just blew up with founders of SaaS companies saying, we are desperate for somebody who's done this before and who has experience. And so I recognized a lack of senior people in what was a quite, and what still is a quite young industry. Uh, And so rather than going back in house, I decided to start uh, to go back to consulting. And I started working with SaaS companies to help them build strategies. SaaS marketing is fundamentally different from normal B2C marketing because it extends beyond acquisition. Because SaaS products are purchased via a monthly subscription, simply getting a customer to buy isn't enough. You need to keep them hooked on your product month after month to justify and continue their purchase. One classic SaaS hack that marketers use to achieve this is called the IKEA effect. Now, we've spoken about the IKEA effect before on the show. Essentially, it suggests that consumers place a higher value on the products that they've had a role in creating themselves. In studies conducted by Norton, Ariely and Mokchun, participants were asked to build Lego sets. One group were told to build whatever they wanted with their Lego set, while another were told to build a specific design. And then a final group were given pre-built Lego cars and spaceships. So one told to build what they want, one given a specific design, one already given some pre-built Lego. At the end of the session, the groups were asked to bid on the items. Now, the two groups that actually created their own pieces valued the Lego far higher than the group that was simply given the design. Unbounce, where Georgiana ran marketing, uses the IKEA effect brilliantly in their work. The company lets marketers build their own landing pages, website landing pages, from scratch. After just one click on their site, you can get to work for free building your own custom landing page. For new prospects, this immediately kicks the IKEA effect into action and makes them value Unbounce far higher than before. The IKEA effect influences existing customers as well. Unbounce collects a wealth of data and information and insights from customers' landing pages. Each month, this data grows and grows, providing more insight and cements the IKEA effect even further. Customers are going to find it increasingly difficult to leave their platform, even if they find a better alternative, simply because they've collected so much valuable data from the platform that they don't want to lose. The IKEA effect helps acquire and retain customers, but it won't mean that the product will sell itself. There is this tendency, especially in the startup community, to sort of put engineers and product and tech sort of on a pedestal. And those who are in more customer-facing roles tend to be among the uh, you know, lowest paid, um, but they're also brought in quite late. And also they tend to join the team quite young. What I've seen way too often is SaaS founders who prioritize marketing far too late, either because they have an engineering background or a product background. And so they, there's often this attitude of build it and they will come. But at the same time, because they don't prioritize marketing or even product marketing for that matter, they at a certain point end up 
you know, they, they launched their product to crickets or nearly crickets or their, you know, their early adopters sort of start to wane and then they start to get this pressure that it's now all about acquisition. And so um, marketing becomes an emergency and they bring in someone junior or mid-level and that person really, really struggles. The best products won't always win. Take Nike. They rake in over $30 billion in revenue each year, mainly from selling sportswear shoes, which can claim to improve your pace, increase your performance, and reduce your chance of injury. Now, most of us believe this to be true, but for a long time, it wasn't. Christopher McDonald, in his brilliant book, Born to Run, cites studies that show how Nike's shoes actually worsened many athletes' performance. A study led by Bernard Marty revealed that runners wearing the most expensive shoes are 123% more likely to get injured, apparently because the tech put into expensive shoes to support runners actually hinders them. Running in shoes that cost more than $95? Well, that made you two times more likely to get injured than shoes costing $40 or less in his study. In fact, in a 2008 research paper by the British Journal of Sports Medicine, they concluded that there was no evidence that running shoes like Nike made you less prone to injury. They suggested that running barefoot is just as good, if not safer, than wearing those expensive shoes. Yet this abundance of evidence hasn't seemed to harm Nike at all. In fact, since 2008, Nike's revenue has almost doubled. The best products won't always win, but the best marketing well, that might. That's why Georgiana's advice to remove technical descriptions from your marketing is smart. Most consumers won't make decisions based on rational things like how injury-resistant trainers might make you, but they will use a heuristic like social proof and buy trainers because their favourite footballer wears them. Understanding how consumers make decisions is vital in SaaS marketing, and no one knows this more than Georgiana. I asked her to talk through customer-led growth, a program she runs at her agency, Forget the Funnel. I sort of stumbled upon this idea of customer-led growth years ago, actually in 2013, when I was visiting the uh, Airbnb office in San Francisco. If we went down into this office area and there was where the product team actually worked and there were these pieces of paper taped to the wall and each of the pieces of paper were a step in what I realized was a customer journey. At the time, I'd only really been familiar with the buyer's journey that you know HubSpot was talking about or pirate metrics. And this customer journey map that I saw on the wall was completely through the lens of delivery of value to customers. It was about the customer achieving their goal at each of those stages, as opposed to the marketing funnel or the sales funnel or MQL and SQL. It was completely flipped on its head. Anyway, so that was sort of my first moment of like, wow, this is actually going to be so, it's so helpful, not only from a communicating what I, you know, I want to communicate to the engineering team, but also as an organization, we had a shared language for which to talk about our customers in, in the customer journey map. We are, we're articulating what our customers were going through, what they were experiencing, what they were feeling, what they needed, you know, how success could be measured. Another way that we actually um, operationalized what we learned through that process 
was we changed the definition of somebody becoming activated inside of our product. So, it, you know, prior we were using, they started a trial and they started using it for a certain amount of time. But after that, we knew that becoming activated in our product and really evaluating our product really required customers to do a little bit more. They needed to see value. They needed to hit, you know, the almighty aha moment. And that aha moment for us was much easier to define. And so we came up with a new definition. It had nothing to do with entering a credit card. It had to do with, you know, seeing enough value in the product where they could feel a sense of um, confidence that it was going to solve their problem. And then they could evolve from there into more regular usage and so on. So we, we redefined our KPIs around what we, what we you know, learned about our customers. Focusing on the goals customers are looking to achieve with your SaaS product is vital. Once you know the goal users want to achieve, you can start tweaking your product and marketing to make them more likely to achieve that goal and ultimately more likely to continue using your service. Users love seeing regular feedback on their progress towards a goal as this helps motivate them to complete a task. Research conducted by the psychologist Clark Hull demonstrated that as people get closer to achieving a goal, they accelerate their behavior to complete that task. This confirms other studies that show how users are more likely to complete a task that's already begun. It's why we're more likely to fill up a coffee loyalty card that's had one stamp collected when it's given to us rather than a loyalty card that is empty without any stamps. And it's how apps like Headspace increase signups on their platform by emphasizing how much the user has accomplished during their free trial. One important hack to highlight here is the power of counting down. Dan Pink's studies, cited in his best-selling book, Drive, showed that when users were close to completing their goal, we should start counting down to show how little is left, rather than counting up to completion. For example, in his studies, two groups of salespeople were set the same target and had a month to hit that target. The manager of one group counted up towards their target, saying, our target is 50,000 sales, we've just hit 40,000. Then we've just hit 45,000, 48,000, etc. The other manager was asked to count down, saying just 10,000 sales left, now 5,000 sales left, 2,000 sales left. Counting down dramatically improved performance, placing emphasis on how close salespeople were to achieving their target rather than how much progress they had made was actually more motivating. You can achieve this through progress indicators in your marketing. For example, steps left to complete on a sign-up form. And it's not just in your marketing as well. You can build these sorts of hacks into your product too. But how do you measure your success and how do you know you're doing a good job as a marketer? Well, next I asked Georgiana what metrics SaaS marketers should measure themselves on. So a paid to trial conversion rate or the equivalent of at your company is probably a much better, well, it's not probably, it's definitely a much, a much better measure of your ability to attract high value, you know, best fit customers to your product, which is the only thing, again, that matters in SaaS. 
You don't want bad fit people signing up for your product. It, it, it costs the business a ton of money to onboard poor fit customers. So the value of the, and I'll call them leads, but the, you know, the value of the leads that you are bringing in is much more important than the quantity. It depends how your company is set up. So it's a difficult question to answer because if you are a marketer who's being tasked just with leads, then first of all, my opinion is, is that you're being handcuffed. Um, because marketing has so much value to provide post-acquisition. A lot of marketers that I've spoken with are also responsible with onboarding customers, which I think is a much, much better sort of performance uh, indicator. Even better than that would be that marketers would have uh, key performance indicators that span the entire customer experience and that are uh, allow marketers to focus their time and prioritize their time on customer marketing as well not just helping people to evaluate the product. Focusing on attracting the right people to purchase your SaaS product is vital. But how do you only attract the right people? Well, one novel approach is by utilizing the power of scarcity. The scarcity effect, coined by the psychologist Robert Cialdini, shows that we place a higher value on items that appear to be scarce and a lower value on items that appear to be abundant. Now, this effect has been used by SaaS companies not only to sign up new users, but to help discover the right types of leads. One SaaS startup that used the scarcity effect to its full effect was Hotjar, a user experience survey tool. Now, when Hotjar launched their free beta, they asked users who wanted early access to register to join a waiting list. These users were also informed that access to the beta was by invitation only and thus very limited. After completing their registration, each prospect was informed of where they were in the waiting list and sent regular updates on progress towards getting access. However, users were also given the option to get instant access by giving five referrals, getting five other people on the tool. Now this used the power of scarcity to persuade prospects to find other potential customers for Hotjar and helped their campaign go viral. Hotjar rapidly grew its customer base and as a result built a model highlighting very interested users who also invited friends. The scarcity tactic has been used by many others as well. Take uh, the new SaaS company SparkToro founded by Rand Fishkin or the video conference app Loom and even the virtual bank Monzo. But it is not just scarcity. Successful SaaS brands have many more hacks up their sleeve. Intercom, a real-time business messaging platform, almost exclusively uses social proof on their homepage. They start by saying 30,000 other companies use their tool. They then say that they're the number one business messenger tool for you and your customers. And finally, they finish with a bunch of quotes from happy customers. There's nothing technical about the product here, nothing about the features, nothing about the functionality. Instead, they find value in highlighting social proof. Airtable, a collaboration SaaS product, takes a slightly different approach. They created a unique version of their homepage, viewable by clicking the top ad on Google when searching for their name. And this takes inspiration from choice paralysis studies. When faced with multiple options, users often fail to take action. So Airtable built a homepage that only has two lines of text, a rolling carousel of images, and just one button to press, just one button on this homepage. This simple page removed any choice paralysis and increased the chance that a user will actually complete the desired action. A final example is HubSpot, a well-known CRM tool. 
and they use anchoring on their pricing page. Now, most companies will hide their most expensive pricing from prospects, encouraging them instead to contact a salesperson to get that information. But HubSpot does the opposite. They display their high enterprise price, which is $2,500 per month, next to their much cheaper starter package of $42 per month. This extreme anchor, you know, $2,400 more, makes the other packages seem far cheaper and ultimately increases the chance that a, a user might buy. Now, I should note that I'm making a lot of assumptions here. I'm taking the findings from consumer psychology and then looking to see how successful companies have applied them. They might work for your business, but they might not. So be sure to test these hacks to see if they really help before implementing them more widely. But what if you're not in a tactical role and instead you need to hire and manage a team of startup marketers? Well, Georgiana's helped dozens of SaaS companies grow and build their teams. So I asked her, what her top tips were. There was a there's a psychologist from Harvard who was saying, you know, how, how we climb the mountain doesn't matter, but we have to all be climbing the same mountain. What I recommend doing is coming up with a bit of a sort of customer experience task force or com- cross-functional committee that has um, leads from multiple teams or multiple departments in the company. Marketing should be there. Customer support or customer success should be there. Product should be there. Sales should be there. Um, There definitely needs to be some senior execs involved in that committee. Um, Because if you, there's, there's so many reasons why it's advantageous. You tap into what they all know about customers from a slightly different angle. And that's hugely advantageous. And that's the most critical component. How you have your teams split up doesn't actually matter at the end of the day, as long as they have clarity, like crystal clarity around what they are trying to help the customer achieve. Today, we have covered a bunch of different hacks you can use to grow your startup. Things like using the IKEA effect to reduce churn opting for value-led messaging and not technical descriptions, using scarcity to find high-value users, and creating a high-price anchor to make cheaper prices seem more appealing. Obviously, though, this is just the tip of the iceberg, and there's much more to try. And for that, I suggest taking a look at Georgiana's site, Forget the Funnel. It's packed with blogs and workshops and video webinars, all explaining how you can grow your business. If you want to get in touch with Georgiana and see how she can help your team, click the link in the show notes. And if you want to make sure you don't miss the next episode of Nudge, click the other link in the show notes to sign up to our mailing list. Do that and I'll send you an email every single time a new episode goes live. No ads, no spam, no promotion, just an email when the episodes go live. And if you're feeling even more generous, you can really help me out with a review on Apple Podcasts. Spending 10 seconds to leave a review on that site could really help the podcast get seen by hundreds more marketers. So please do leave one if you have the time. Anyway, that is all from me today. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Match. Thank you.